Blog Talk Radio. a new dimension in sound. From Cavalier Basketball. LeBron watching with seven, with six, with five. Who else but LeBron? LeBron to the circle, on low. Got it! I think he a game to Indians baseball. One yard and Belton! The deep left! Away! Back! Goal! To Browns football. Back in the pocket. Steps up, goes into the end zone. Up high, Salen Edwards up, got it, touchdown! This is the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. Uh, they deleted all our sound files, so I just cut that one off instead of the nice little fade-out that we used to have. Um, joined tonight by Rock King and Dennis, Denny, um, and we're gonna, we picked the most boring sports month of the year to bring back the podcast so that we could uh, discuss all the mundane things going on in the world. So, uh, hey, what's going on, Rock? We're going to talk some calves first, huh? Yeah, I figured uh, since even the Cavaliers offseason is inherently more exciting right now than the Cleveland Indians season, um, we could spend some time talking about the Cavs, uh, looking ahead, what kind of uh, what kind of r- roster we're looking at here. Um, maybe we can discuss uh, some future moves that Danny Ferry may have, some stuff like that, but uh, it's a good place to start with. All right, well, let's start with the, the obviously, uh, you know, Jamario Moon coming in here. What are the, what are the chances? Obviously, everyone's seems to think that Miami's not going to match that offer. You know, I I was a lot more convinced of that uh, two days ago than I was um, today. Uh, I kind of wish that Miami would just uh, get it over with and make their decision uh, so we can kind of go forward planning on it. But uh, you're starting to hear more and more talk about uh, it sounding more and more likely that Lamar Odom's going back to the Lakers. And uh, if that's the case, the Heat may decide, you know what, um, we better hang on to Moon. He, he would be a valuable wing player for them uh, if they don't have Odom. So that concerns me a little bit. However, that being said, I still haven't seen or read anything indicating that the Heat are planning to bring him back. I think I'm just a little paranoid, uh, kind of expecting the worst with that, because I really do think that uh, adding Moon to the bench uh, really gives the Cavaliers a lot of depth, um, certainly uh, a kind of depth they didn't have last year. We, uh, yeah, For the last two, or well, really year and a half, we kept trying to talk ourselves into uh, using Wally Zerbiak, that, you know, oh, you know, Wally can contribute, and uh, we, we would talk ourselves into, I mean, last year in the playoffs, I actually wrote that uh, I wanted to see more Sasha Pavlovich, um, and then, thankfully I don't have to write anything like that anymore, assuming the Cavs get Jamario Moon, because uh, bringing guys like Moon and Parker off the bench, these are guys who have started a lot of games the last couple last couple seasons. Uh, these guys are producers; they can contribute. And uh, coming off the bench is a great role for these kind of players. It's their, they were sometimes asked to do a little bit too much um, in their starting roles. Sometimes they took too much uh, responsibility into their own hands. And if you can keep their minutes down and put them in positions where they can be successful, um, it, it really helps. And I mean, the way I'm looking at it right now. Uh, if you're looking at the starting five of Mo, Delonte, LeBron, Andy, and Shaq, um, then coming off the bench, you've got Big Z, Parker, Moon, 
um, you, you know, that right there, you're already eight deep. And then you bring in whether whatever they're going to get out of Darnell Jackson, J.J. Hicks, and that remains to be seen. But then even deep in your be- deeper on the bench going into the 11 and 12 role, you're looking at guys like Daniel Gibson and Terrence Kinsey, um, guys who have certainly uh, sh- shown that they can uh, sometimes uh, step it up. They've done it in the past. You know, they're not the most consistent guys. But, I mean, you know, when you're going 12 deep with guys that you, you feel somewhat comfortable with, that's certainly an improvement over what the Cavaliers were looking at last year, particularly going into the postseason. Okay. Well, and then – but the, the they still have a lot of unknowns. I mean, we, we still have uh, J.J. Hickson's back. I mean, if we we haven't heard any kind of updates on that other than he didn't play in the uh, in the summer league, right? I mean, how much how much are they going to be counting on him this year? And do you think they truly can count on him? Well, you know, from my own eyes, I don't see how JJ Hickson uh, really fits into this team. Uh, you know, yes, he's extremely athletic. Yes, he can score, um, particularly as he gets more comfortable in the NBA. I think this guy is going to be a guy that can give you instant offense off the bench, and those are all good things. However, I keep hearing that the Cavaliers have, you know, high hopes for him, that he's untouchable in trades or, you know, virtually untouchable. But I don't see it when I, whenever I've seen him out there. His basketball IQ just – it doesn't seem to be there. He always looks lost on defense. He has a lot of trouble picking up the defensive scheme, understanding his role and where he's supposed to be, understanding when to switch. I mean, a lot of times he doesn't even rotate at all, which leads to a lot of easy baskets um, in the paint. And when that's your, if that's going to be the uh, Andy's backup, they, the Cavaliers really can't can't have that. And that's why I'm really hoping that. Uh, that we might still see Joe Smith back. I would love to see the Cavaliers still. They still have their biannual exception. Um, they still have they have some wiggle room with their roster. Um, they they technically have an open spot, uh, but they could also at any time uh, they could uh, they could buy out Jawad Williams or even Terrence Kinsey. I think his, his contract is fully unguaranteed as well. Um, so they have some wiggle room, and I'd love to see him bring in a guy like Joe Smith, uh, somebody that you feel a little bit more comfortable with. Uh, coming in and subbing for uh, for Andy because if you look at it right now, assuming you know uh, Ilgowskis comes in for Shaq, well now now who's going to replace Verzhao? Do you really want Darnell Jackson coming in and playing, getting you know seventh man minutes uh, or you know even eighth man minutes? I don't know. I just think that's asking a lot. And if there if there's a glaring hole right now in this roster, to me that's where it is. Is who's going to be the backup at the four? I think one thing to think about um, looking at that is maybe there are plans to slide LeBron to the four. You know, we don't really know. I mean, obviously more depth there would be good, but at the same time, you know, you never know. Uh, with with some of the guys that they can put in the in the backcourt, maybe, you know, sliding him there and letting, you know, bringing in Parker or Delonte off the bench and, you know, going with the first unit a little bit longer, sliding into the second unit, you could put him in. I mean, that's going to – it's going to have a toll on his minutes, but at the same time, that's something that maybe, you know, maybe they're thinking about doing. And that'd be interesting because it's, we've seen some of LeBron at the four, but we haven't really seen that be a focus of his game. And I think that that may be the next step where they go and trying to develop what he's got. Yeah. yeah maybe we need to get, uh, we need to get Chris Gent on the phone and find out what LeBron's working on with his, his off season program here. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much what I was going to say. I think that's a great idea, and I, to be honest with you, I'd love to throw out a starting lineup of Mo, Delonte, 
um, Parker at the three and then go with LeBron at the four and Shaq at the five. I'd love to use that kind of a starting lineup because then you really have a lot of options. You When you, when you want to bring Andy in off the bench, then you can slide LeBron into the three and give the team a totally different look. Um, and it, it's a great way to keep your opponents off guard. I'd love to see it, but I'm not – I just haven't been convinced that LeBron truly embraces playing the four. Um, there always seems to be a certain kind of hesitation that whenever uh, Mike Brown goes with a smaller lineup where LeBron is technically playing the four, he's not playing it like a four. He's still basically playing his point forward and uh, operating mainly on the wing. And even, you know, it, it drives me nuts when he uh, when, you see, when LeBron will post up, but then when he goes to receive the entry pass, he takes two steps out onto the wing to get the pass, and now all of a sudden he's back out on the wing and he's got, he's got to drive and he can't use any of his post moves. So that's a great point. I'd love, to see, I'd love to hear that LeBron is working on that kind of stuff with Chris Jent and being a little bit more accepting of playing more minutes at the four because I really think that would be uh, pretty helpful to the Cavs because, again, and the, the one thing that I really like about these additions the Cavaliers have made is these are all kind of interchangeable guys, and they're all versatile players. They can play multiple positions. They can defend multiple positions. And Mike Brown really has a lot of options on how he wants to uh, sort of open up this roster with the different lineups that he can throw at opponents. So that's going to be one of the things that should be at the Cavaliers' advantage. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out who's willing to do what, who's able to do what, and, uh, and of course, Mike Brown has to formulate a plan on how to best sort of fit all those pieces together. Well, and of course, it'll definitely be interesting to see what the team looks like after they trade Delonte, right, Rock? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's my that's one of my favorite rumors going around. Of course, that uh, that the Cavaliers are, uh, are are really trying to trade Delonte. I I can't. I think the word I read somewhere was um, they were hopeful they could trade him or desperate to trade him or something like that, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. You don't. You do not trade your best uh, your best perimeter defender. In no way does that make the Cavaliers a better team, unless they're trading for you know Chris Bosh or Dwayne Wade. And I mean being realistic, those those trades aren't going to happen. Now, this isn't to say Delonte West is a top-tier all-star player, but what I'm saying is he he plays a pivotal role on this team. And uh, I think I mentioned this, um, I don't know if it was in one of our internal emails or if I wrote this, I can't remember, but, you know, Delonte West actually, uh, I, I think it was he was 10th in the NBA in uh, defensive rating, um, plus-minus last year, and uh that just speaks volumes for the difference in the Cavaliers with his defense being on the court versus when Delonte's off the court. So to get rid of uh, to get rid of Delonte West, you're really going to have to bring in something pretty pretty uh, pretty special because to think if you think Anthony Parker is going to step in and just duplicate what Delonte brings you defensively, um, I don't think that you've been paying attention to Anthony Parker's defense the last couple of years. And Parker's a good defender, but he's not not the type of defender that Delonte is. Well, on top of that, Delonte's got a very reasonable contract um, that makes his productivity look even that much better. Um, mm-hmm. So changing topics a little bit, now, uh, you know, the, the hype the hype machine has been rocking and rolling for a couple of weeks now, right, with uh, this this alleged uh, dunk tape on LeBron, and, and now we've, we've seen it. Um, Danny, I'm going to let you lead on this one. Now that, now that we've seen the, uh, the video and, and you posted the quickie today, uh, you know, you could rehash your article, but give me your thoughts. Um, I mean, it, I guess it's a bit cliche for somebody in our shoes to sit and, and say that it's, you know, it, it was uninspired or, you know, it wasn't really that big of a deal. But to me, you know, the actual dunk itself didn't mean anything. I mean, it, it happened. It's, it's, 
anybody who plays a game of basketball is going to have that happen to them at some point, you know, whether they're a point guard, a center, or whatever, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get dunked on. And so, uh, you know, I think that some of the more interesting aspects of it are just the way that it's been bounced around the media. I mean, TMZ came out today and said that they were going to drop it at 645. And then, you know, it turns out that all these other sites had, had other videos that came out of the woodwork. So they had to push it up and it's this big deal. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that uh, unless Brett Favre decided that he was going to wear, you know, a Viking helmet, it was going to be the leading story on SportsCenter. And, you know, it's pretty much everything that, that this giant hype machine has become uh, in terms of where everything's gone. And, and being in D.C., it's really, uh, it's really interesting to see, you know, a lot of the Washington bloggers just rail on it where, you know, you, you'd think that, you know, he's, <laughs> it's, it's basically reaching the level of, you know, the McCarthy era where LeBron can't do anything right. He's, you know, he's just this antichrist almost. And it's, it, it's, it's just comical to me to, to think that something like this where, yeah, they could have handled it better, but it's, it's, it's him getting dunked on and they didn't really, you know, they didn't handle it well, but it's become this giant thing. And uh, I, I think it's absurd. And after it happened, you know, it, it's just sitting there and you're like, that's it. It's, this is what we've all been waiting for. It's you know, it's one of the most disappointing things I think I've ever seen. Well, and you're living in the land where uh, the crab dribble is still a, a valid punchline, right? Right. Um, right. So, Rock, Rock, what did you think? Um, well, before I get to my thoughts, let me ask you guys both this question because I've kind of been thinking about it this afternoon, and you know, certainly be honest about this, but. Let's say this was a story about Dwight Howard. Let's say some college kid dunked on Dwight Howard and the tape got confiscated. Do you think that we would be writing about that, our site? I'll go first. Um, I Honestly, I, I could see us, you know, throwing up a quickie on it, but the uh, I can't imagine us spending the amount of time you know, the, the joking about the free Jordan Crawford and, and all this other kind of stuff, you know, I mean, I don't, but the, I, I think the question is bigger than that. It's not just so much about us or whether we think we would do it, you know, I, I, I just don't know about, I, it's hard to predict, you know, I, I think the blogosphere would have reacted this way um, in different corners to, to Dwight Howard, you know, whether or not we would have at our site, um, you know, I'd like to think that we, we set a slightly different standard, but um, I, I still think the blogosphere would have reacted the exact same. I think uh, in terms of, I guess in terms of us, maybe if it happened to Kobe, uh, we might have given a little more mention. I don't, I think, at least for me, I, I wrote an article about it, but I really think that uh, in terms of like this, you know, the giant national media hype machine that LeBron really is only, is only, I guess, overshadowed by Kobe and, and the coverage that he gets. And, and in some ways he's rivaling him. And I think that if, you know, if, if it was Kobe, we'd be here, we'd maybe be touching on it more. If it was, you know, if it was Gilbert Arenas, we'd probably throw a punchline in, but it, you know, it wouldn't be covered quite as much. Uh, and I think that uh, if, you know, it, it wouldn't have gotten as much pull, obviously we have more of a vested interest in it being LeBron, but I, I don't think that it's really, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. And honestly, I don't think it's a big deal, but everybody else in the world does, I guess. So that's where well, we're that's, 
Yeah, but, but that's kind of uh, the answer I was kind of looking for. It's because what I'm really having a hard time getting my head around with this is how much of this is about the story itself and how much about it is just the fact that it's LeBron. And obviously, I, you know, as annoying as it gets at times to have to listen to everybody, uh, you know, rail on LeBron for this and that, you know, oh, he didn't shake hands, oh, he wears T-shirts with stupid slogans on them, um, you know, oh, the crab dribble, blah, 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 and on and on and on. I'll take it. You know, to, if that's the price I have to pay for being able to watch LeBron James play basketball every day, obviously, you know, I'll take it. But this story just had me really, like, my head reeling that this became such a big story, and especially after seeing the tape now, because, and this is sort of where I'll, I'll give you guys what my thoughts are on it. Um, uh, before I saw the tape, I, I didn't know. I didn't really want to speak too much one way or the other. I, it was hard for me to know whether LeBron really took the time and was really so concerned about this videotape that he went and made sure that they confiscated this tape. I didn't know. I could see it go either way. But after having seen the play, I just have a hard time believing that LeBron went out of his way to make sure that they removed that tape because he barely got dunked on in that tape. I mean, it's it's not you know this is this is far from some of the dunks that we've seen um um some of the more embarrassing dunks that we've seen in NBA history uh that's not what this was this was lebron coming over to help he got his hand up uh jordan crawford went around him and dunked it you know and it, it was a great play it's a great moment for crawford for sure um but i just i just don't see the story in this and uh, and that's where I'm having this, this sort of disconnect, that I, I refuse to believe that this is really about e even Nike taking the tape. I just don't think that's what this is about. I think it's about LeBron James' stature and the way he's sort of become an easy target for uh, uh, for people to go after. And if that's, you know, what we have to put up with, uh, so be it. You know, I, I can live with that. Hey, Rock, uh, Rick is checking up on us in the, uh, in the chat room, and he does point out that uh, – one of our authors did write a post about Kobe, no dunking on me at my camp line, which I, I think I posted that. Um, but I, I will defend myself. Even, even in posting that, it was just kind of a response to the overhype of the LeBron video. Mm -hmm. So. Well, and, and you know, and, and uh, you question too. Huh? Even if we, I'm not saying we we would have completely ignored it, you know, I imagine you know having having been beaten by Dwight Howard that we might have taken like one shot, but then that would have been our shot and that would have been it. I don't think you would have seen posts going on day after day. I mean, going into weeks of covering this same story, which is just such a ridiculous story. And I, I, I don't counting know down until the video comes out, you know? Yeah, exactly. But so, yeah, um, I, I, go ahead, Rock. Uh, I was just gonna say, but you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, now the videos come out, everybody's seen it, everybody can judge for themselves. But you know, thankfully, this is the one good thing: the video's out now. This should probably go away uh, within a couple weeks. Now, I would think. Um, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what LeBron says. We we discussed this in our uh, internal emails today. Uh, talking about how much culpability was on LeBron's part for not talking about this. Um, but I still stand by the fact that 
you know, LeBron's on vacation right now. He's not making comments about anything. And if he's not commenting about Shaq coming to Cleveland beyond, I, I think Brian Windhorst had like maybe two sentences from him. Um, beyond that, we've heard nothing from LeBron about this. We have, we really don't know what LeBron thinks about Shaq being here, um, how, how he plans on fitting in with him. You know, we have no idea because he hasn't talked about it. And if he's not talking about Shaq coming to Cleveland, which is the biggest Cavalier story in once well, since LeBron got drafted here, if he's not talking about that, then I don't see why he, he's under any obligation to talk about a story which he may have had absolutely nothing to do with in the first place. Uh, Rick, Rick, Rick is still logging in the in the chat room here, and he he says that uh, Wizard fans will wear Xavier jerseys at the next game in Washington. Uh, you got any comment on that, Denny? Well, I was I was talking with a buddy today uh, about the dunk and everything, and. And jokingly said that I could see the the Wizards taking a second round pick on it just so that uh you know they could relive this moment and just play it over and over again, play a crappy YouTube video up on the jumbotron. And uh, I mean, it's it's something that I mean I could I could absolutely see happening. I'm sure it will. And there'll probably be uh, people holding up signs with uh, hashtags that say "Free Jordan Crawford." I mean, it's it's nothing that uh, <laughs> we're going to hear the end of anytime soon. I wouldn't be surprised at all. All right. Well, let's get off this topic. We, uh, you know, as we've been talking here, the the Indians have promptly gone down ten to four. It, it looked like they were going to mount a comeback, and then I had to I had to look them up because I I don't even know. Um, Jose Veras gave up uh, three runs, and uh, that's a fitting uh, intro to the topic of the Indians. And we've been discussing a lot of that behind the scenes, uh, waiting for next year about. All right. Well, now it's time to trade. So, who should we trade, and and how many guys should we trade? Um, you know, obviously Victor Martinez's name is in there. Cliff Lee's name is in there. I'm gonna let you start, Rock. Um, what do you think of the tribes? Obviously, that you know their situation is they're losers right now. But uh, what do you think of their uh, their trade scenarios? How many how many people would you trade? How much of a seller would you become? Uh, well, I think you. You sort of look at it. I I I think the Cavaliers or the Cavaliers. <laughs> I think the uh, Indians really need to get serious about trading Cliff Lee. Um, I know what that does to their uh, pitching staff. I understand that, but I don't see a team that's going to be a serious contender next year. Uh, I hope I'm wrong about that, but I don't see that, and I just get a feeling that Cliff Lee can't wait to get out of Cleveland. I. I think, you know, you, you can sort of hang on to him and wait and see. And, you know, certainly if Cliff Lee is still performing at the same level next year, the Cavali- or the Indians will be able to uh, will be able to move him uh, come next year at the trade deadline, uh, similar like they did with uh, CC last year. But I sort of look at what Toronto is doing with Holiday, and I think that's the better way to do it because you can get more for these guys uh, the earlier you trade them now. We've, we've seen that become sort of a trend in baseball, that if you want to get more – um, if you want to get more for your guys that you're looking to deal, you got to move them early. And uh, I, I think that's generally sound principle. And I just don't see any indication that Cliff Lee is going to be here beyond uh, beyond next season. And uh, I would just rather start looking for uh, potential trades now. Um, as far as Victor is concerned, I, I would really hate to see him trade Victor. Um, and I know his limitations. And I, you know, I know that, 
if you look at positions that the uh, Indians are stocked at, uh, going all the way through the minors, you know, you're looking at catcher and first base, uh, two positions that Vic is um, going to be playing anyways. Um, so I know I understand all that, but if, if you look at who's really truly the heart and soul of this Indians team, I mean, how is it anybody but Victor Martinez? You get rid of Victor Martinez, and I'm really – almost scared of what happens to the clubhouse um you know as as much as i like grady sizemore he's never really sort of shown himself to be a team leader in the same way that victor has so um i would like to see him hang on to victor uh cliffly i'd like to see if they could maybe uh, start looking for uh what they can get for him and denny do you have any thoughts on that one um well i mean I've been looking uh, a bit kind of from afar, watching from a distance uh, with the Indians, and it it just seems like there's really <laughs> it, it's it's a dire situation, and I think that they're going to have to get something for Lee. He's going to be miserable he's, the next year if, if he stays around, and they're not, you know, they're not going to re-sign him after next year. He's going to be, most likely, he's going to be demanding more money than the team is going to be able to offer him. So I think that you know, if a team's really looking to run a pitcher just for this season, uh, he's a great bargaining chip because it's a team option on next year. And, and if somebody wants him for the next year and a half or, or whatever, you know, he's he wouldn't be surprising at all to see, see go. And I think that, uh, you know, just like Rock said, seeing Victor go would be it'd be really, not only would it be difficult to watch, but I think there would be a, a lot more ramifications in terms of ticket sales and, you know, and keeping people interested in the team because, as much as, you know, Cliff Lee is one of our guys, Victor's really, you know, he's he's the team for, for a lot of people, you know, he and Grady. Um, so I really, you know, I hope that Victor stays around. You look at other people that may get traded, uh, you know, Pavano's been tossed around, but then he went out tonight and hasn't really done anything for his stock. So um, I think that, you know, aside from that, uh, I, I saw an interesting article today from Poznanski where he uh, – he had his top 100 players in baseball, and the Indians had four on there. It was Grady, then Victor, then Cliff Lee, and then lastly was uh, Chu. And I think that uh, if you're going to build around guys, you know, if you're going to really look at the future, it's going to be Grady, it's going to be Chu, and it's probably going to be Cabrera. And from there, almost anybody uh, is expendable if you're really going to blow it up. Yeah, see, the Victor Martinez thing for me, you know, it, it pains me to watch him go. It's going to pain me even more if and when they trade him to a place like Boston, who I, I, you know, it looks like they might be the ones who are hot on, on the trail. But at the same time, at his age and just at the position he plays and everything else, I just, as, as hard as it is for me to say it, I just don't see him being a part of the next contending Indians team. And uh, I, if, if he's one of the guys that can bring back tons of value, I think I think the Indians seriously have to consider trading him. Of course, you know if that right deal, if that big piece doesn't come back in a deal, you're you're not going to get rid of a guy like uh, like Victor Martinez. He he is the face of the franchise for for right now, and uh, I I do also worry about the clubhouse, like Rock mentioned. But uh, at the same time, you know. You'd be you'd be dumb not to field offers for anybody on this team with the way they're going. So um, yeah, I think that's a that's a fair point. Um, I, I I want to jump in there on that point. 
Um, you, you know what I'm kind of saying. I'm not. I'm not saying they should just tell teams no. We will not trade Victor under any circumstances. Uh, what I was more saying is I, I'm not sure they should actively be shopping him unless they have you know a certain player in mind that they that they really covet. Um, any deal they're going to get, it better knock our socks off. You know, would they better not just trade him for a handful of double A prospects that yeah you know they kind of like you know but that they weren't crazy on. I would hate to see uh see us lose a guy like victor um under those circumstances yeah i agree i agree totally um so any we got uh we got the slowest month of the season as i said in the opener and uh you know i, I don't even think we we're going to talk about the browns there's there's not really much to talk about unless you want to start talking uh, quarterback controversy again right rock so quarterback controversy is that the one that involves uh troy smith <laughs> well, we know Denny wants him to be our backup. Oh, and I, I, and, I, and I want him to be our starter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's already too much Buckeye talk for a Cleveland sports website. Oh, um, yeah, that's right. Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, I guess uh, that's where we're going to leave it for now. But uh, maybe this will spell the 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 return of the podcast to uh, WaitingForNextYear.com. Um, for Rock and Denny, this is Craig, and that's the end of the show. See you next time.